Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Bucks complete a furious fourth quarter comeback to beat the Celtics in Game 5. Forget survive. The Grizzlies thrived and forced a Game 6 with the Warriors without John Moran. And Joel Embiid needs to cool his jets. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Two minutes into the fourth quarter, the Celtics were up 93-79. From there, the Bucks hit a flurry of three-pointers. Giannis Antetokounmpo reminded everyone he's the best player in the world. And then Drew Holiday snatched Game 5 from the Boston Celtics, 110-107. Joining me now from Locked on Bucks, Frank Madden. And Frank, this is a series where no team has won two games in a row. This has been back and forth, back and forth. And in the last several games, it's been those kind of roller coaster games. How did the Bucs manage to do to Boston in the fourth quarter what Boston had done to the Bucs the previous two fourth quarters? I mean, the idea that the Bucs would be the ones turning the tables and coming back from a huge deficit on the road, you would not have guessed that from these last couple of games. It just felt like the Bucs were the team that was running out of gas, running out of ideas yeah. in fourth quarters. Even in the game they won in game three, they surrender a double-digit lead and have to hang on at the end. And it's felt like all playoffs, right? Go back to that Nets series. It just felt like the Celtics just sort of were inevitable in that series, right? Like the Nets could hang around, but the Celtics just overwhelmed them. Bucks, obviously a different animal than the Brooklyn Nets. But, um, you know, you just have to give so much credit to, first off, Giannis Adetokounmpo. We knew that they were going to need a monster effort from him, 40 points efficiently, you know, doing everything once again, making plays on both ends and having to play as the small ball center for the second straight game for extended periods, given that Boston also going smaller with Rob Williams out. And to be honest, I think that's been a key piece of Boston unlocking some of the Bucks defensive, uh, you know, the Bucks defense a bit and Bucks this time around last game, obviously Boston really started to take advantage of that, ran them off the floor in the fourth quarter tonight, shockingly, you know, if you had told me the Bucks could they score 14 points in the last 10 minutes, I would have said, I don't know uh, <laughs> when they were down that much. And for them to come out and drop 33 in that fourth quarter, pull off an amazing comeback, huge defensive plays by Drew Holiday, huge shots by Drew Holiday repeatedly after, you know, he had a horrible game four in terms of shooting and, you know, the, the, the back and forth between him and Marcus Smart, Smart for long stretches of this game was getting the better of Drew Holiday and instead, it's Holiday hits a huge three, hit a huge step back to kind of keep them in the game. And then two monster plays against Smart. You have to know that Drew Holiday uh, doesn't view that as just another game-clinching block <laughs> at mm. the end of, of this game. Uh, he's one of the few guys who's done this multiple times in massive high-leverage playoff games after the finals last year. But to come up with that help block on Smart and then to just strip it away when the Celtics had a chance to tie on, on that last possession. Um, you know, not the prettiest shooting night from him, but he made some really big shots. And again, this team's going to go as far as Giannis and Drew and a little bit of help from the role players can take them. And to me, the other thing that just stood out, Bucks actually got outscored in the paint 50 to 44. They got outscored in transition 15 to seven. Those are the areas that they really relied on early in the series to take that two to one lead. Tonight, they rely on the offensive glass. They really dominated the boards tonight, 15 offensive rebounds, you know, 35% offensive rebound rate, 87% defensive rebound rate. So they limited 
the opportunities for the Celtics outside of that huge Al Horford dunk that seemed like it might have sealed it late. And then the three-point shooting. I mean, th- I, I believe they were four out of 16 at one point in this game. Yep. They make nine of 13 to close. We've been wondering, I mean, Bucks fans are perpetually wondering when the Bucks might actually make some threes in the playoffs. It never <laughs> seems to happen. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL's reactions to the NFL draft. Get our local and national host take on all the prospects, how teams approach the draft, and most importantly, who won the draft. That's Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft, and your favorite NFL team's Locked On show. The Locked On Podcast Network has you covered with all things NFL. Coming up, the Grizzlies without John Morant absolutely dominated the Warriors to force game six. But can they do this two more times? Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is the only app where I can join my friends' contests and we can play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks or make fun of my friends' picks. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash today. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash locked on today and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. For the second straight season, the NBA's most valuable player is Nikola Jokic. This marks the first time international players have won the award in four consecutive seasons. Canada's Steve Nash went back-to-back for the Phoenix Suns in 2005 and 2006, followed by Germany's Dirk Nowitzki for the Dallas Mavericks in 2007. International players actually finished 1-2-3 this year. Jokic got 65 first-place votes and 875 total points. The Philadelphia 76ers' Joel Embiid was second with 26 first place votes and 706 total points. Giannis Antetokounmpo was third with nine first place votes and 595 total points. The do-it-all center named Joker also created a new category, becoming the first NBA player to eclipse 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. And this is, of course, all without Michael Border Jr., and Jamal Murray this season. The Capitals blew a three-goal lead. Oh, no. And now the Panthers have a 3-2 series advantage. Hello, this is Dan Holmey from Locked On Capitals. Well, the Washington Capitals fall to the Florida Panthers in Game 5 by a score of 3-5. This was one of the games that I talked about. This was a must-win game for the Washington Capitals. And they blew it. This was a game that they were ahead in the first period. And the momentum was really in their favor. And uh, they just took their eye off the ball. This Washington Capitals team has got to find a way to turn it around before it's too late. Caps coach Peter Laviolette on the 5-3 loss. There were two games that were played. There was the one game to push it to a 3-0. Where I liked everything we did, including the power play and the penalty kill and 5-on-5 play. And then there was the game that took place after that. 
So it was just all about a momentum thing. The Washington Capitals playing in Florida. Typically, the Capitals have played well this season on the road. The Capitals have got to find a way to turn it around. The Caps blew a three-goal lead, allowing five straight goals and totally unraveled. In the final half of the game, they trail the series 3-2 to two and are one game away from elimination. The Rangers live to fight another day after a 5-3 win over the Penguins. This series now shifts back to Pittsburgh. Hey, what is going on, hockey fans? John Chuck Locked on New York Rangers. The Rangers just uh, concluding a just pulse-pounding, absolutely insane roller coaster of a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Rangers win 5-3 in Game 5 to stave off elimination and send this series back to Pittsburgh for Game 6 on Friday night. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me from this game is watching the kid line really just, uh, you know, come into their own right in front of our very eyes. I mean, Paco, Lafreniere, Heedle uh, playing some of the best hockey that they've ever played since joining the New York Rangers. And it's funny because, you know, the Rangers' lack of experience was something that was going to be maybe something of an issue in this playoff series. You know, that's a spot where the Penguins have the edge. And yet... Some of the most inexperienced players for the Rangers, the three guys I just mentioned, also Ke'Andre Miller uh, having big time playoff series for this New York Ranger team. And Igor Shesterkin looking like he's back to his old self. And this is just a crazy game. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen the rest of this series, but just the fact that the Rangers were down two nothing in this game late in the second period, looking completely dead in the water. And, you know, looking like this really might be the end. They might end their season with a complete whimper and end up just step on the gas, complete 180, three quick goals at the end of the second period. Tied at three going into the third, and then uh, Philip Heedle coming up clutch for the Rangers on uh, the power play. And uh, Ryan Lindgren, huge, huge thing in this game was Ryan Lindgren being back in the lineup. He played a great game for the Rangers, and he gets the empty netter. Could not happen to a better person and more deserving player uh, than Ryan Lindgren at the end there. And on the diamond, the Giants are picking up right where they left off from last season. The Giants outscored the Rockies 24-8 in a dominant three-game sweep. And starting with those last two games against the Cardinals, they have a five-game winning streak in which they've outscored their opponents 41-18. Ben Kaspik with the Locked on Giants podcast. This is corresponding with the Giants getting healthy. And today, Evan Longoria was activated. A little bit questionable to me for him hitting third in the lineup against a right-handed pitcher. 0 for 5 with three strikeouts and two ground balls. But but hey, hard to argue with an overall team win and a nice stretch here for the Giants. They're scoring now five runs per game, allowing 3.7. They have the second best run differential in the National League, ahead of the Mets, only behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Here is another story you need to know. Steph Curry said before game five against the Memphis Grizzlies that the plan was to whoop that trick. Well, guess what? A trick got whooped, but it was not the one that Steph Curry was talking about, was it? Was it Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies? A 134-95 to beatdown. It was 50 at one point. So, uh, how? Do, how? Why? What? Yeah. Uh, so the, the the question that I have for Mr. Curry, with all due respect in the world to the legendary player that he is, he wanted to whoop that trick, but he he certainly got quiet real quick when it came to this game. Forgive me for dropping bars. The thing that I will say has stood out is that the Grizzlies have done an excellent job of playing defense 
for let's now say when the starters are on the court now for 46 uh, or for all but two minutes of the past seven quarters of games four and game five. Peter, the thing that stands out is this, is that Steph Curry is getting his. Clay Thompson had a good first half as well, but nobody else is getting theirs, at least to the point that it's making the Warriors clearly be the better team over the Grizzlies, even without John Morant. That's been the secret to the Grizzlies' success in game four that kept them there despite the loss and also was the reason why the Grizzlies were able to get out to such a big lead here. Yes, Steph, Clay, they had great first halves, but Jordan Poole, 5 of 18 combined for the past two games. You have Wiggins and others who sprinkle in 15 or so points in these wins. It wasn't there tonight. The Grizzlies are doing a great job of making sure that there's not a second, third, and fourth highly contributive player from the Warriors. That's what's making the difference. Yeah, the Grizzlies had three guys score 20 or more. And that's without John Morant. And this is a team that is no stranger to playing games without John Morant. They did it effectively all season long. And this was something that we talked about with Cyrus earlier this week from Locked On Warriors that the Grizzlies were outstanding without Ja, especially if you take out some of the late season games that didn't really matter. So what is it about this team that allows them to play so well, even without their super duper star? Well, in, in game four, they certainly struggled. But in game five, you see the reason why. They moved the Dern ball. I, I can use more colorful language, but I'm going to go with Dern. <laughs> 37 assists tonight. Only the fourth team in NBA playoffs history to have 130-plus points, 35-plus assists, 15-plus threes. The Grizzlies found offensive balance. They won the rebound battle. They found some success getting into the paint. But moving the ball, starting with Tyus Jones, five, five assists, zero turnovers in the first quarter, that's what really allowed for them to set the tone Moving the basketball and offense is what really helped them consistently find the best shot possible to get this big of a lead. How many more times can can this happen? Because they need it if they want to advance at least two more times. Exactly. And in game six is going to be very, very, you know, it's going to be a very hard environment to win in. The Grizzlies are rightfully going to be the underdog. But again, the Grizzlies, though they're one and one in these games, they've got a successful script to go by. Play hard-nosed defense that they know can be effective have a good early start, get Jaron Jackson Jr. cooking to be one of the three best offensive players in the game like he was tonight, and move the basketball to find the best shot possible as many times as possible. That's been the recipe for success for the Grizzlies over the past few games. That's what I'll be honest with you about, Peter. I'm excited about this win, but I'm just as frustrated we couldn't get it done in game one and game four. Game four. But I think that we have the recipe for success to pull off an upset in game six. Coming up, Joel Embiid just needs to stop whining already. Here's what to look for from Bet Online, your number one spot for all your daily gambling needs. Bet Online has odds on the Lakers' next head coach, Terry Stotts, the favorite at two to one. Doc Rivers at three to one. Mark Jackson four to one. Darvin Ham, who's coaching on the Bucks sideline right now, behind Mike Budenholzer five to one. Steve Clifford six to one. David Vanderpool seven to one. And LeBron James, no seriously. At 125 to 1. Bet online where the game starts. Everybody hates Joel Embiid. At least that's what he'd have us believe. First, it was preemptively complaining that if he didn't win the MVP, he'll feel like they hate him, they being the media, insisting the standards are different in Philly for reasons. So let me get this straight. The meme god of NBA Twitter, the beloved embodiment of the process who trolls Andre Drummond on Instagram and shoots his shot with Rihanna is 
suddenly loathed because he's not getting as much love as he thinks he deserves. At the same time, he was either favorite or co-favorite for MVP all season, not to mention being universally viewed as ahead of Giannis and Tedekumbo in the MVP race, despite the two having essentially identical statistics. But that's a story for a different day. That guy, that guy is hated if he doesn't win MVP. Not to mention, it's not like Nikola Jokic is an NBA media darling. He's just really freaking good at basketball and he had a better season. Just own it. When Embiid had 21 turnovers in the final three games of the Eastern semis last year against Atlanta, no one blamed Joel. Or when he had just 17 points on four of 20 shooting in game four in a game Philly lost by three in that series. Ben Simmons took all the heat. And why? Well, at least in part because Embiid all but said Simmons deserved it. And now, now he's preemptively mad about a criticism no one has. He said, this is a lose-lose situation for me. If I don't play, I'll probably get called soft. If I play and I play bad, they'll probably come up with a bunch of stuff like he's just not good enough. This is so, so lame because no one is saying that. Yes, this comes after a 35-point loss to the Heat. But the big takeaway from anyone with eyes in this series is that James Harden is not an A1 guy anymore. If anything, he needs Embiid on the court to be of any use to the Sixers. Where are the Embiid haters? Seriously, he's coming back from a broken orbital bone. No, this is this this martyr attitude is actually just an excuse. And that's lame because he has an actual excuse. He's playing with serious injuries. Stop making up criticisms to rebut. This is not the Wizard of Oz. Get rid of the strongman. Take a cue from the reigning finals MVP who never complains about officials or circumstances. He never says, woe is me, even though his life on and especially off the court has been full of plenty of woe. And so has, by the way, Joel Embiid. He's too strong, too good, too great. And yes, Joel, too likable to act this lame. And finally, no matter where your team is right now, you're not an Edmonton Oilers fan. As uh, I have defeat behind my eyes, I am wearing a freaking soccer jersey, for goodness sakes, because I... <laughs> I'm getting ready for the summer, as it seems like the Oilers might be, as the Oilers are on the brink of elimination in the first round once again. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Coming up Friday, will the Heat and Suns wrap up their conference semifinal series? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.